Hey, it's Finn, and if you've been listening to 680 for long, you know that I'm a big fan of Audi Atlanta. That's where I got my Audi Q8 e-tron, which I absolutely love. And it's the only dealership I would recommend to my friends and my family. And here's why. For one, Audi Atlanta has a great selection of luxury vehicles. They helped me find the exact SUV I was looking for, and the purchase was super easy. A fully transparent experience catered to me. The same experience they provide all their customers And here's one more reason that makes Audi Atlanta so special. During the month of April, Audi Atlanta will make a donation to Enduring Hearts for every vehicle sold. Thanks to the efforts of Enduring Hearts, children with heart transplants are living longer and healthier lives. Get the Audi you've always wanted while supporting a great cause. To learn more about Enduring Hearts and to view our current specials, visit AudiAtlanta.com. To start or complete your entire purchase online or shop Audi Atlanta in person like I did on Peachtree Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Together, we have the power to make positive changes that could last a lifetime. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show rolling along on this Monday. The reverb, it do not end. There was not much reverb Jim Harbaugh taking the job in the NFL because he was going to take a job in the NFL, and we thought Sharon Moore would be promoted. And then from there, yeah, some assistants and, you know, change some guys on staff just changed duties. But um, there was not just like this spider web, okay? Nick Saban hit your windshield about three weeks ago, and now that entire thing is a. And it continues. Kalen DeBoer has decided, you know what, Tuscaloosa, mm, I'm going back to Seattle. And he wanted to be in Seattle. He wanted to be in the NFL or at UW or wherever. And now he is. And they took the offensive line coach, too, uh, I believe. Want to welcome on right now, man, who can get us through all this. From 97-7, the zone in Huntsville, it's Drew DeArmond. Drew, my friend, how are you today? Good, Chuck. How are you? Doing good. We got it officially, and Ryan Grubb's going to Seattle. When did you hear, no, this is done. They're just working out details, like expect Alabama to be hiring another OC. Well, I mean, until it broke officially uh, toward the end of last week, we knew he was a name of interest. Uh, we knew, you know, that, uh, it, that he was under consideration. But the Seahawks were interviewing a lot of people. I mean, Chip Kelly's name came up. Uh, you know, I thought Eric Bieniemy might be a candidate because he wasn't going back to the Washington Commanders. Uh, you know, so again, there was a lot of guys they were talking to. Uh, I, once it went on a few days and I didn't hear more about Grubb, I thought maybe that that had uh, moved on. And then we heard the reports coming, uh, you know, from their signing day celebration that both Grubb and uh, Scott Huff were there uh, and were announced as Alabama coaches. Now, there was no official release from the university, but that seemed to be another positive sign. But as we know, and as you've seen with, uh, you know, Jeff Hatley and, uh, and uh, also with Chip Kelly, and uh, things change quickly. And, uh, and that's what happened in this situation. Ryan Grubb took the job with the Seahawks. Then you find out Scott Huff is also going with him, uh, and that wasn't officially announced until during the Super Bowl last night, really. 
but again, I think that uh, Kalen DeBoer knew this was there's a possibility of this happening, so he has a plan. We'll see if he executes that plan and what it will be. I think we've already been led. Uh, down the path of what it's going to be, and I'm sure we're going to discuss that. But it, it's, it's an interesting time. A lot of guys trying to get to the NFL because uh, the quality of life has changed so much in college football with NIL, the transfer yeah. portal, and having to re-recruit your own roster all the time, Chuck. Who's going to be the O.C.? <laughs> well, I still think it's going to be a co-situation. Uh, Adam Rittenberg is very well-connected in college football, and he broke the uh, you know the Ryan Grubb officially going to the Seahawks story. He was one of the first guys to have that. I think his his situation, his uh, you know uh, laying out kind of where he thought things were, makes a lot of sense. Especially when you look back at Nick Sheridan, uh, who was brought in as the tight ends coach, but you look at he was a quarterback. Uh, you know, uh, in college, he's already been an, uh, an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach at other places. He was a tight ends coach for two years at, uh, at Washington. But Sheridan has experience as a play caller, experience as a QB coach. I think he and uh, Jamarcus Shepard are going to be co-OCs at Alabama. I think it's very imperative, especially losing Grubb, that Alabama keeps Jamarcus Shepard, who at one time was the co-OC at Purdue uh, under Jeff Brom. So Shepard is a really good coach, energetic guy. I know he's connected with Ryan Williams, uh, and I think making him a co-OC will ensure that he stays. And I think, honestly, the way it's looking to me, Nick Sheridan, Jamarcus Shepard will be co-OCs. Sheridan would likely be the play caller and the QB coach. I think he would shift from tight ends to quarterbacks. And then if you kind of read the tea leaves, Chuck, uh, you know, they brought in Jay Nunez from Oklahoma, and at the time, he was. they said he was leaving for a job at Alabama as special teams coach. People wondered if he would be in an off-field role like he was yeah. at OU. I don't think so. I think he was told he would be on-field because it was very likely that this grub and huff situation would happen. So I, I would not be shocked at all if Jay Nunez is tight ends coach and special teams coach on-field for Alabama, which leaves the opening at offensive line. Does do you know? Does Kalen DeBoer want to delegate? Like he wants someone to have this responsibility? Because I mean, one of the chance, one of the uh, options is I'm the head coach. It's my offense. I'll I'll do it. But he originally was planning to not do it. So that means that's his preference to me. Um, what's the chance he just says, "All right, for 2024, I'll do it." Well, I mean, I don't think he's going to call the plays, honestly. He might. He, I think he'll probably be, though, like, let's 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 uh, bring up a guy like Jimbo Fisher, who was always – he gave him up to Bobby Petrino, but I think he was heavy-handed in it last year. I think, just like Nick Saban was always heavy-handed with his defense, Kalen DeBoer is always going to be heavy-handed with the offense. And so I think he would have a big-time influence. But I think also if you, if you promote Nick Sheridan and you promote – uh, you know, uh, J- Jamarcus Shepard, they both have been with you for the last two years. They're very comfortable with your offense. They know your offense. They have an idea of what you want uh, your offense to look like and from a play-calling perspective. So I don't think it would be that big a transition. Hard to tell you guys. Well, hey, you come here when something does open, you'll get it, and then you go outside and hire. Um, so that's hard as well. Uh, you mentioned Ryan Williams there. Uh, have you eyeballed him in person? Tell me what makes him special because I've asked somebody about him being, I'll say, willowy and bendy, and they're like, yep, so was Devonta Smith. 
Yeah, it's so funny you asked that question, Chuck. We had his high school coach, Jeff Kelly, from Sarah Land on uh, Talking Ball this morning, and I was talking to Coach Kelly, and I, I talked to him many years ago when he had Belis Jones, who I know you remember, oh, yeah. who uh, went on to play at USC and then Tennessee and is now with the Chicago Bears. And uh, Coach has always been very helpful, and I asked him about what made Ryan Williams special. And the funny thing is, the reason we never heard about him when he was in ninth grade was he was a quarterback. And he told us a story today about watching him throw, you know, some seven-on-seven stuff, watching him out his window as a ninth grader throwing to one of their upperclassmen wide receivers, and then watching that wide receiver turn around and throw the football to Ryan Williams. And he turned to one of his offensive coaches and he says, Coach, that's our other wide receiver. We need to move Ryan Williams to the receiver spot. They did. Uh, you know, at the, near the end of his ninth grade year, going into his sophomore year, and as Coach Kelly told me, he said, "I told a lot of people Ryan Williams is fixing to explode," and he goes, "and he really did." And uh, he's been a quick study at the position. He's a great athlete. Uh, he's about, as Coach told me today, he's about six one, one sixty five. So he did compare him to Devontae Smith. Right. Figures that he'll eventually be about one eighty five. He's just got great stop and start ability, ability to make you miss in a short, in a small space. He's got explosive speed, great hand. He just is a playmaker, Chuck. And, and uh, you know, now that you know about his background, I, now that I know as a quarterback, you can do all kind of different things with him. And when you imagine him and Kalen DeBoer's offense, uh, it's kind of mind-blowing what they could do. He's going to be an instant impact guy when he gets on campus in June, no question about it. Last thing, um, and I said this before Ryan Grubb left, but I don't think it changes. Here's what I know about Kalen DeBoer. Wherever he is as head coach or even before that, a lot of yards passing, a lot of points. So, hey, I can't wait to see the Alabama passing game this year. Consistency, more explosion, et cetera. Um, Give me your opinion about what's possible for Alabama through the air this coming year. Well, you know, it's going to depend on the quarterback position. The trigger man, you know, how much progress can Jalen Milrow make? He's got he's got pelts on the wall. He had a really good year as a junior, but he came back because, of his, you know, his, he needed to develop more even as a QB, as a passer. And this kind of system will allow him to do that potentially. I mean, if his pro stock was Anthony Richardson's, we all know he wouldn't be in the uh, college football. He would have moved on to the National Football League. But there's still some things he's got to work on. So I'm going to be really fascinated to see what, you know, Nick Sheridan, potentially Jamarcus Shepard, Coach DeBoer can do with, uh, you know, uh, and help. Uh, you know, Jalen Milrow developed. Also, Austin Mack, getting a ton of really good reports about Austin Mack and his fit for this offense and his size, six foot six, 230 pounds, what he brings to the position, especially from a neck-up standpoint. He already knows the system. He redshirted this year, basically, at Washington. He's only going to be – he's turning 18 years old in, in, uh, in June, Chuck, so he's still very young like Ryan Williams. He and Ryan Williams, I know, have been, uh, you know, on campus already and have been working out. And I know, uh, you know, kind of Ryan has been coming down to see the staff, which, you know, he did that when he was visiting. And I know he's already hit it off with Austin Mack, and I know they've thrown the ball around. So that's going to be really interesting to me to see who, how Milrow fits into this offensive scheme. Can he improve and, and, and become an NFL prospect? And is Austin Mack going to be able to push him? I'm, I'm really anxious to see that and how this all comes together and what this offensive coaching staff looks like in another couple of days when they probably get the pieces to the puzzle that they're going to need for spring practice, which starts in four and a half weeks or so. 
Morning Drive, ESPN and the Rocket City. That's a nice piece of radio real estate, and that is Drew DeArmond. Thank you for your time, friend. Thank you, Chuck. Drew DeArmond again, 97.7 ESPN Huntsville every morning. So um, it's just it was it was a slow actual unfolding of all right now it's official. There was legitimate, uh, I'll say, interest. No, it was beyond that. There was actual pursuit, like both sides. Well, we're not the Huskies, but we're the Seahawks. Yes, I understand, and I I like you as well, just like I like the Huskies. Um, And so it's not the head coach, it's the OC. That's fine. Get me there. So you knew that it it was more than just legit interest. It was pursuit. And then, it, and then it was official. So, I don't know. They can go big time Missouri. Hey, we're here for your coach. Kirby Moore, not Eli. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll get the Missouri coach. He'll be ROC. Um, Kellen Moore's little brother. And so, bring him in. Good. I, I don't know where they'll go. It doesn't create a situation when you get somebody to leave Oklahoma if – if the conversation was, look, we already have our 10 on field because we talked about that when that happened. I was like, I think they already got their on field staff full. I was like, oh, he's going to be an analyst. Mm, okay. I want to say Buster Faulkner took a job or maybe, maybe Munkin. Somebody took a job on Kirby staff. It's the same thing. You're like, yeah, you're just parked here until something opens. It's a hard look to do that. And that's the understanding. And then you go hire from outside especially when there is a way it's like, look, I need somebody who just speaks my language and, you know, you can run the thing, but obviously it'll be on my input. So now you add Nunez on field. <clears throat> it all works out uh, for Caitlin DeBoer in Alabama. Just fine. All right. We're going to break. Come back more next. college football talk with the king of college football it's the chuck oliver show on southern sports today start the program today i had an article from the la times open ucla narrow search for head coach replacement boy they really narrowed it after that article got written um deshaun foster former Bruin himself, tough, tough running back. Was he number 26? Tough running back. Uh, Deshaun Foster is now the head coach there. And he had been a coach there, and now he's the head coach. So that's it. If you are wondering, you're watching the Super Bowl yesterday, did you? Uh, uh, You probably did. I don't know, 110 million people or so. If you watched the Super Bowl yesterday and you had it, see, this is the if. And you had a particular thought, maybe at the end of the first half or the end of the game, or maybe even in overtime. My gosh, that Chiefs offense, that was kind of raggedy all day, and then they go hurry up, and they move right down the field, and they get points. They did it before halftime. I think they got a field goal right before the half, I think, like three seconds left or four. And then, obviously, in the fourth quarter, and then in overtime, they boogied as well, but they didn't have to get by the end of the quarter but um it was there was some pace to it some some um, an element of hurry up no huddle elements of it 
If you watch that game, and I'll say you're of a particular age, which I don't know, maybe you're less than 30, and you're wondering, not in college, not Gus Malzahn, not you know whomever back in the day. I talked about Mike Loxley with Juice Williams at um, Illinois. If you're wondering why someone in the NFL – why don't they do that like all the time as just a regular offense? It works, always works. They didn't have any points. Boom, they got three points right before the half. They were needed point right down the field. They got two scores, fourth quarter. Why Why didn't somebody do that full time? Someone did. His name was Sam Weish. And Sam was also up for chicanery now and again, and they actually changed some of the rules so that you can't really do all the stuff he did. The Buffalo Bills and their K-Gun get a lot of credit in the NFL. And by the way, if you're too, if you're, I don't know, if you're David. David, do you know about the Buffalo Bills and the K-Gun? Uh, I don't think I remember that one. Yeah, that's that's fine. You're not. It's not a you problem. Um, about 30 years ago, late 80s into the 90s, the K-Gun, it was the Buffalo Bills with Jim Kelly. And it wasn't even named after him, really. But it was this. I, like blisteringly fast offense to the point that, you know, it made Jim Kelly uh, the second to last quarterback to call his own plays. They were going so fast. He would not even now that also means they didn't substitute. And that was one of the things that the NFL, not only have they changed other rules that kind of make it hard to go that fast constantly, but <laughs> Sam Weish, he might exit the huddle with like 13 guys. There's there's a first down play, and they run the ball, and it's for six yards. And then all of a sudden, like, eight guys run on the field, and only four guys leave. And then all of a sudden, they break the huddle, and then two other guys step off. Or so, and they're like, wait a minute, defense, huh? And so now the defense tries to sub, and so you snap the ball. and so Or you get caught in a bad personnel thing. So Sam was up for chicanery within the confines. Uh, but you can't do that anymore. But there was, he was the head coach for the Cincinnati Bengals and they had success. He coached Boomer, like Boomer Esiason. It wasn't Jim Kelly, the original hurry up quarterback in the NFL and brother, did it work? Yeah, they won the Super Bowl. They beat the Niners and then Joe Montana did Joe Montana stuff, but they won that game. And then they changed rules and then he went to Tampa and he wasn't as successful. But Sam Weish was. He thought the same thing you thought, and he had been a quarterback, and he thought, why don't we do this all the time? And then he tried it, and he found the perfect trigger man in Boomer Esiason. And boy, did they have fun weapons up there. But the hurry up, no huddle, um, I don't know if it as your full-time offense, the way that like we're thinking maybe when you see it, got to do that full-time. It's not even as doable as it would have been back in the late 80s when he was doing it with Boomer, and most of it is because of the actual, okay, now that you snap the ball, what are you doing? Um, now you have to get rid of it immediately. So it wouldn't, and that's just what the play, that's what the routes are and screens and all that other stuff, bubbles and tunnels. Um, so it would not play out the way it did when Boomer was the quarterback. You would wind up having NFL players. Chip Kelly tried it for a minute at Philadelphia, and boy, he took everybody by storm, and then his offensive line was like, no, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. Hey, how's your Monday? Did I, you have a Sam Weiss? You have to give me a Sam Weiss story or fun fact first. Uh, not really a fun fact. His time in Tampa Bay did not lead to a lot of fun. No. Uh, the, the only thing fun on that part, Floyd Peters was his defensive coordinator. If you remember Floyd Peters, the uh, former Vikings oh, defensive coordinator, and then uh, was the defensive coordinator down there. When the word got out that Sam was going to get fired, I actually got 
requested to help work on a PR team to come up with reasons for Floyd Peters to be the next head coach of the Bucks. Like they actually reached out to me to try and help help craft the case for Floyd Peters. So that's the closest I got to a Sam Weiss story. Uh, but what the heck, since we're talking a little bit relevant to the Super Bowl, Chuck, uh, trivia question for you. Do you know who the highest-rated quarterback prospect was that threw a pass in yesterday's game? Would that be Jawan Jennings? It is. Uh, Matt Fortuna pointed that out, that Jawan Jennings, uh, who did throw the touchdown pass on the double pass play there that was the first touchdown play of the game, uh, Jennings was the highest-rated quarterback prospect coming out of high school over both of the two starting quarterbacks there in the game, Mahomes and Purdy. He did throw two touchdowns at Tennessee uh, during that college career, including one that was basically the exact same play for Tennessee against Florida. I remember as soon as I saw him, he did that against UF. That uh, That's a practically different place on the field, longer play against UF. But that was basically, I mean, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if they literally went back and got that play out of the Tennessee playbook and put it in for him to do that in that game. And, you know, Jennings was a guy, Chuck. He was a seventh-round pick, and I, I loved that pick for the Niners when they made it just because that dude is a competitor. There's just something to be said oh, for guys that, that you know if it's the two of you for the last French fry, he'll break your thumb if that's what it takes if he wants that French fry. There's something to be said for that. It's funny you bring that up, and uh, you're right. Here's the one thing I've always said: you can't teach somebody. The, I teach them everything: a stance, technique, everything. I can't teach them to embrace the physical part of the game. And Jawan Jennings is all about that physical part and the competitive part and all that other stuff. When he was being recruited, you're right. The, the reason I didn't see that piece, the reason it occurred to me, when he was being recruited, a buddy of mine in Knoxville, he got up there and he's like, "Yeah, he's not going to be a quarterback." I was like, "Why?" He's like, "Because he can't play this year." like he might be a safety um he might be a wide receiver but and this is what stuck in my mind like this he had been around this kid for just a couple of weeks like on a daily basis he was like yeah Jawan's personality it doesn't really fit him sitting around watching other people play um so he's like we have to find something to do with him and that's how he got all he's like I just I have to get out there and so it became wide receiver and now big time success story very very happy for him yeah, it's just, it's just funny to me. Again, we, we have people who place so much emphasis on quarterback rankings in particular yep. and you know, this guy or that guy, what's future. Man, it, it's always been hard to know. It's even harder to know now. I mean, you mentioned it. You know, one year ago, hey, Dante Moore went to UCLA. Chip Kelly's finally got a five-star quarterback recruit to run that offense the way he wants. Mm-hmm. Big things are coming to Westwood, Chuck. And, of course, you know, here we are. One year later, and, and Chip Kelly's like, I'd rather go be an OC somewhere than spend one more minute here in Westwood. And, and Moore's long gone and, and off in Oregon. And who knows, maybe you'll be a superstar there. But uh, for, for all the buildup and all the hype and all the expectations that people can get caught up in around signing day, just a, a reminder from yesterday in the Super Bowl, you might want to pump the brakes just a little bit. The odds are pretty good. It's not going to play out quite the way you think. And on the flip side of that from the Dante Moore is, man, Chip Kelly. I'm Like I said, I'm not an Ohio State fan. I ain't with you. I ain't again you. I can't wait to see what the combination of that year-to-year talent, that roster, and then Chip Kelly, because it's even different than Oregon. These are NFL guys that he's out there spinning gold with.
Hey, it's Finn, and if you've been listening to 680 for long, you know that I'm a big fan of Audi Atlanta. That's where I got my Audi Q8 e-tron, which I absolutely love. And it's the only dealership I would recommend to my friends and my family. And here's why. For one, Audi Atlanta has a great selection of luxury vehicles. They helped me find the exact SUV I was looking for, and the purchase was super easy. A fully transparent experience catered to me. The same experience they provide all their customers And here's one more reason that makes Audi Atlanta so special. During the month of April, Audi Atlanta will make a donation to Enduring Hearts for every vehicle sold. Thanks to the efforts of Enduring Hearts, children with heart transplants are living longer and healthier lives. Get the Audi you've always wanted while supporting a great cause. To learn more about Enduring Hearts and to view our current specials, visit AudiAtlanta.com to start or complete your entire purchase online. Or shop Audi Atlanta in person like I did on Peachtree Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Together, we have the power to make positive changes that could last a lifetime. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Now back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. Monday on the Chuck Oliver Show, we're dealing out. College football conversation, been doing that for 10 years. Every day, nine states, 66. Thank you for the blessing. Let's talk UGA. I told you last week, 12 personnel. Well, you got to have the 12. You got to have the two. You got to have the tight ends there. You got to have a bunch of them. Uh, And the more grown man they are, the better. Let's welcome on right now, UGA beat writer for Dogs HQ, Palmer Toms. Welcome back, friend. How you doing? Doing well, Chuck. You know, today's the furthest day away from football that we've got. But uh, is that going to stop us from talking it? Absolutely not. Oh, no, and even transfers and people that, like, I, I think a lot of Georgia fans may have not even actually watched in a live game yet. Talk Benjamin Urasek. Uh, he's in via the transfer portal, and he's a big, giant, grown man, accomplished, all-conference tight end who at least will step into some of the snaps that Brock Bowers had. Yeah, six foot four, two 242 kid out of Stanford. Uh, he's a graduate transfer, so he's got one season left to play um theoretically i guess he could redshirt he did not redshirt during his four years at stanford but that's not going to happen george is counting on him to be an instant contributor um like i said that size is is pretty comparable to brock bowers now you're not gonna i don't think that you're gonna see a, a carbon copy of brock but i think that there's not many tight ends in the country that you can hand it off to and, and count on them to go 50 yards on a jet sweep well, that's something that Ben did out at Stanford. So, talented player, you know, totaled over uh, 1,300 yards in, in, you know, three seasons there, five receiving touchdowns, 35 career games, 108 catches. Um, like I said, he's also got a little bit of that same running ability that we saw from Brock. And I think Georgia is going to continue to use that creativity that they used with, uh, that they had in their system with Brock. Uh, I think that in adding a kid like Eurosec, you've got a chance to keep that going and keep that momentum going and, uh, you know, continue to make the tight end position a very, very important one in this UGA offense. Any names or positions that uh, you are eyeballing for Kirby to address further? Yeah, um, you know, I I think that it's got to be the right fit, uh, ultimately. And, 
you know, that's always the case with, with transfers. Um, but, you know, I, I look at the defensive side of the ball. You know, if you look at the seven transfers that, that they have signed and, and brought in so far, five of them are on offense. Two of them are defense. And so, you know, you you got to think that maybe that's where they continue to address. Um, you know, defensive line is still probably a little bit of a concern of mine. And, you know, I, obviously you are bringing back some veteran players in Nazir Stackhouse and Warren Brinson and, you know, a lot of young, talented guys that have a lot of potential in Kristen Miller and Jordan Hall. Um, you know, out on the edge, you've got Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. Michael Williams obviously has a lot of experience out there. Um, and there's a lot of potential at that position. But there's not a ton of, you know, proven game-wrecking talent on the interior. Um, like I said, you've got experience, but if they can go out and find somebody, they'll absolutely take them. But it, I just don't know that there's going to be one of those that comes available. And ultimately, Georgia has shown that they value time in their system, time and experience, uh, you know, under a Kirby Smart-type system. Uh, and, and ultimately, that's that's kind of what I think. So, if the right guy emerges and, and enters the portal in this spring cycle, mm-hmm. Georgia will absolutely, you know, go after them. Now, that being said, they've got 90 kids on scholarship right now, so you've got to cut that number down. That being said, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Georgia ends up having a couple of kids that do enter the transfer portal uh, in that spring cycle as well. Palmer, this is a nuanced question, I promise you, because Georgia's still elite in just about every dang way. Um but I made a point last week. I was like, I don't know if Kirby made a choice. He may have just made a pivot. Um, I know at Bama, and of course, 21 and 22 especially, he likes giant square linemen, like three square immovable defensive guys up front and control the line of scrimmage with those and then everybody else will run to the ball. They didn't have exactly that last year, did they? They that You could move them some compared to Georgia. I th- tell me what you think. Kirby's attitude is about that and where they are right now and able to get those three just immovable Coke machines out there. Yeah, no, it it absolutely is important for this Georgia defense to have that defensive line, uh, you know, in line of scrimmage presence that that is such a force. And, you know, replacing, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, replacing Jordan Davis, those guys don't grow on trees. Replacing Jalen Carter, those guys don't grow on trees. Um, and, and so, you know, to have to have the players that Georgia had in that 21 defensive line, you know, four first-round defensive linemen when you throw in Trayvon Walker and Quay and, excuse me, uh, Devontae Wyatt as well, um, you know, those, those guys were very, very valuable to that defense. And I think that it's, it's a lot easier said than done to say, hey, we're just going to go replace them and, you know, find guys that fit that same mold and, um, you know, you've seen Georgia try and, and go yep. get those big bodies. Um, but, you know, you're not necessarily going to find the freak of nature that are the Jordan Davises and the Jalen Carters all the time. That being said, I think Jordan Hall, uh, you know, is somebody that, like I said earlier, a lot of, you know, a lot of talent and, and potential there with him was just a freshman this past season. I think you probably could have said the same thing about Bear Alexander and, you know, the jump that people were expecting to see out of Bear from year one to year two, that's kind of the jump that I'm expecting to see out of Jordan Hall, a former five-star type guy, uh, you know, coming out of high school, was compared to Jalen Carter. And, you know, if Georgia's going to have another Jalen Carter type guy on that defense, I think it's going to be Jordan Hall. And, you know, you, you do want to 
you do want to see improvement on that defensive line, though, because you've got such incredible players behind them, you know, returning depth and experience at linebacker on the inside with Smile Munden and C.J. Allen and Raylan Wilson. Um, you know, you're bringing in an incredible group there as well. You've, you've got to let those guys go make plays like they did in 21 with N'Kobe Dean and like they did in 22 with Jermon Dumas-Johnson and, and Smile Munden as well. Yeah, I'd heard. Uh, in fact, I was told, Chuck, they went after the kid from Kentucky. They went after this other recruit. They went after, like, they've gone after all of them. He wants them just this one time. It didn't work out, and, the, and so you get what you get in 23. Uh, wrapping up, Palmer Toms covers Georgia, Dogs HQ. Uh, where's the fan base right now? Because one loss is a crisis. My goodness. Um, and th- it's great when your program is legitimately in that space. Um, it ain't so great when that's where your program is. One loss, and you're like, well, this sucks. Yeah, and I think as you look at the 24 schedule and the re- – you know, you've kind of got to adjust your, you know, mindset with college football with a 12-team playoff yep. and, you know, constant change and change across the country with, with division lists conferences and you know the the top two teams are going to be playing you're no longer you know you don't want to call you know I, I think that we all can agree that the east traditionally has been easier than the west and so georgia is going to be playing more teams out of the west you know on a regular basis and that means that we're going to see more matchups between the likes of georgia and Alabama and LSU and Oklahoma and Texas. And, you know, obviously Ole Miss is a talented team this year. I put out a piece today, five Georgia games that we're looking forward to most for next fall, uh, you know, and, and those are all ones that are on that list, you know, Texas and Alabama and Ole Miss, um, you know, a lot of exciting crossover there. So I think that, you know, you look at Georgia's win total that got put out this week by, by FanDuel, and it's 10.5 is the line. That's, you know, over on that assumes that they lose one game or less. Uh, under on that would say that they lose two. Two losses, and Georgia might still be in the playoff consideration. Absolutely still in the consideration, uh, yep, you know, especially yep. if, if your two losses yep. are, you know, say on the road to Alabama and on oh, the road no, to, to Georgia Texas. two losses so, is in. They're 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 yeah. Uh, yeah they're that level of program that's absolutely true. Um, I want to so, ask you. A little... I, I think I think with all of it, you, it's just got to be a recalibration of yeah. expectations and and what reality is in college football in 2024 and beyond. Last thing, and just I, I guess one of them, just your reaction to everyone quote being surprised or figuring out, wow, this guy Lad McConkie down in Mobile, you know, a couple of weeks back, and then also. Um, give me your impressions. Marcus Roseme, Jack Saint, do you see an NFL receiver there? Because that kid's starting to get a lot of uh, conversation around him. He is, and I, and I saw a piece out there today. Mel Kuyper was talking about him as one of the biggest, you know, potential sleepers in this draft. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think with both those guys, you know, they, they put on a good show down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. And, um, you know, that's not a huge surprise. I, I think, that, you know, in the case of Ladd, anybody that has seen him play football, has no questions about what he can do between the lines. It's the biggest question with Ladd is, can he stay healthy? Um, you know, that was obviously a, a major storyline for Georgia in 2023, yep. and it will probably be a major storyline for him throughout the draft process and, and into his NFL career. Can he stay healthy at a little bit undersized uh, for that position? So, you know, to me, the the performance at the senior bowl, 
you know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, people around the country are coming on to the fact that Ladd McConkie is a really good football player. Uh, you know, he, I also think that he's going to need really good medical results uh, throughout this, this process, this pre-draft process to end up where, you know, a lot of folks have him projected high second round, potentially a late first round pick there. And then with Marcus, you know, there's a lot of great traits there. I mean, this was a kid that was, a, you know, one of the top receivers coming out of high school. Um, you know, making an impact as a freshman and, and ultimately the injury there, uh, the, the gruesome injury on the touchdown against Florida his freshman year, sets him back a little bit. I think we saw a really good version of Marcus these last two years, um, you know, at, you know, further removed from the injury. He wasn't just a blocking target. He proved that he could go out and catch passes. Um, you know, I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Brian McClendon there as a, you know, receivers coach that worked with him on, on a yep. daily basis. Yep. Um, you know, and, and the coordinators, they got things open for him as well. So I, I don't know that I see a wide receiver one, like some people have been saying on our board, there's only 32 of those in the NFL. Uh, but I do think that, you know, look, you, you look at a guy like Chris Conley and the plays that he was able to make, you know, last night and throughout over the course of this playoff run for the 49ers, that's a guy that a lot of people probably weren't saying, you know, hey, that, he's going to have a lengthy NFL career. Um, you know, what did he go into the league in 2014? I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about a guy that's been in the league for almost 10 years. I think that Marcus has the potential because he has a lot of those traits and just does a lot of things the right way to be a guy that hangs around and continually gets on rosters. Palmer, appreciate the inside, brother. Thank you for coming on today. Absolutely. Fantastic stuff there. Palmer Toms. Get him on Twitter at Palmer Toms. It's a dogs HQ. Um, on three dot com is their site, but it's uh, Dogs HQ where Palmer does all his work, and it's just uh, really, really comprehensive stuff there. So thank you, making time. Is it knees or back more with Lad? Get Palmer, but no, don't get Palmer back because he's had both injuries, and he said that with him with Lad, it's going to be more injury. Uh, the medical, it's not just staying healthy with with Lad. It's how do you look when we poke and prod and test you? And I think it's been his knees and his back, I believe. So if the Arizona Cardinals are listening on the app, don't be dissuaded. I'm trying to recall, and I might be wrong. So don't. And Minnesota Vikings, you listen on the app, I know. So don't uh, not take him. But uh, a couple of Georgia receivers, and then Brock's going to be a top 10, 8, 6, 5 pick maybe. Wow. A lot of offensive talent heading in the NFL from that program. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and wrap up on this Monday next. of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show especially when you want to build uh from the high school classes which is which is where we want to be um we feel like we've you know, we're putting a position early to be competitive where we had to really rely heavily on the transfer portal. We did that. You know, we were able to certainly be, you know, very competitive and do some great things here in the first couple of years. Uh, but the way we want to build a program is not through a transfer portal. That's Lincoln Riley talking. I don't believe almost anything he just said. Not that he's lying. I don't think he's being genuine or authentic. Chuck Oliver Show, 
I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, th- that to me sounded like two things. First of all, it's a reset button. Hey, if you've got a gripe, if you're not happy, I'm not happy about it either, but it wasn't my choice. Now we're getting around to my choice. Yeah, you're three. We're getting around the way you want to do it. Okay. Secondly, that sounds like something you say because you're about to go to, um, is it modern day and get like four or five stars or try to, that you're trying to reestablish something that maybe you <laughs> haven't been mining those high school relationships. So those are two things that come to my mind. Maybe wrong about both those. I don't think I am. My other response would be a question to Lincoln Riley. Why? Why are you going to get a, go get a four-star freshman from Pomona to be your running back or go get South Carolina's starting running back who's a former five-star and now a junior? Like, why? Believe me, when Adrian Peterson showed up as a five-star, yes, that's different. Occasionally, those kids come along. Did you see what Dylan Johnson did last year? Dylan Johnson, I'm going to guess he had, I don't, I could look, I could Google my computer right now. I'm not going to. I bet Dylan Johnson had 400 yards rushing in his career at Mississippi State. Didn't he go for like 1,200 and a pile of touchdowns? Yeah, like he became the guy. Because, in part, why? Well, because he was a grown man running back in some Saturdays playing against some kids who were 18, some who were 19. Like, why? What We're going to emphasize, and that's how we want to do it. No, it's not. Again, I don't have to have Caleb Williams. I'd like to. I need a passing offense that helps us win. Yeah, like, I need a winning offense. That's so... That's Lincoln Riley, brought to you by thisstuffmatters.net, and my goodness, um, that is my opinion about what's going on out there. Uh, yes, recruiting matters, but um, from the high school standpoint, when you're USC, I just don't think that what he said was genuine. So, again, um, this is what matters to me today, brought to you by thisstuffmatters.net. Uh, guest today, Spencer Holbrook came on from Letterman Row. It's an on-three thing. We talked about Ohio State there. He is our truest reporter for Ohio State. Drew DeArmond, high noon, 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville, talking Alabama, of course, and then just had Palmer Toms on going through um, a lot of what's going on with Georgia and not bringing the band back together but trying to adjust and get to the point that um, you can be back in – a legitimate championship position in 2024, which is not just we're a playoff team, because I don't know if you're nine, 10 or 11 or 12 and you're Georgian, you're going on the road for a December 21st game at Michigan. That's not really championship position. You got to fight your way out of that corner. So, um, just a lot with Kirby and his program and trying to fill in Brock's, uh, snaps and then also maybe change the focus of the defense or at least the personality of the defense back to something that he is a lot more um, at ease with. Hey, how was that Monday for you, man? Well, it's probably better than Billy Napier's, Chuck, because uh, I don't know, this one came out in the middle of the Super Bowl, so I don't think that was by design, but if you want to dump some news, it's a good place to dump it. Um, but Craig Fitzgerald is leaving Florida to go to be a part of Bill O'Brien's staff at Boston College. Now, if you're a fan, you probably, unless you're a Florida fan, don't even know who Craig Fitzgerald was. But what he is for Florida was he was supposed to be 
the new start in the strength and conditioning side of things. Fitzgerald has worked in the SEC before at multiple schools, is very well regarded for what he does as a strength and conditioning guy. This isn't, as we've talked, I'm sure you've talked a million times about it, Chuck. Strength and conditioning coach is not just about get huge, bro. It's it's a lot more than that about motivating these guys, being the coach's eyes and ears with them in the offseason. Injury this was prevention, a, all of it. This was a really high-profile hire for Billy Napier. And for, you could say all you want about, well, there's an existing relationship with Bill O'Brien, and they're really tight, and that's why he wants to go, mm. and he got his start at Harvard. And that, mm. I, that's all great. The facts are you're a Florida football fan that just had someone say, I would like to go instead of being here at Florida, where I've been for like, I don't know, six weeks, I would rather go to the program that just had their coach leave for a coordinator job in the NFL rather than stay there another year. I'd rather be there than in Gainesville. Chuck, uh, for Billy Napier, that is that is a real below-the-belt kick. And, and I, my other question, too, is, Chuck, when when exactly did we get to the point where nobody's word means anything ever? Like, almost everybody has some kind of story. Like, when you were a kid and maybe you had invited one girl to prom and then you find out another girl you really, really, really like that you had no idea was kind of hoping you would ask her to prom. You're like, oh, I'll go with her. No, no, no. Your parents say, hey, no, no, no. You promised Jenny you're taking her to prom. You're taking Jenny to prom. You can ask Beth another time, but you're taking Jenny to prom. Like, you get that lesson when you're in, a, in, in your youth. Since when do we just say, oh, better opportunity, bye. Like, no well, commitment means anything. It's just wild. Yeah, two things here. First of all, do you remember when, uh, I believe it was, uh, was it David Ballou? Like, he was the strength coach or performance coach at Indiana and Alabama called, all right, you leave immediately. Um, because Alabama, anything, any position with Alabama football is way, way better than the same position in Indiana football. That's not true. It's like, I'm in the SEC. Like I might stay at Vanderbilt just because I'm in the SEC versus I'm in that conference where everybody walks around going, man, it stinks here. Um, but I'm at Florida. Yeah, that, that, you would imagine um, that, that that would carry the day. As far as what you're saying, you're correct about does anybody? I promise you there are individuals who are involved in the, the transient nature of college football that you're talking about right now who if you pull that individual aside for a minute and describe to them what they did, they may think about it and, and like it's never occurred to them that they ran out on a commitment. It may, it is such a normal thing. I don't know. I, I'm a Southern guy. If you drop me down in New York City, am I like bumping into people and pushing them out of the way to get to the subway like after a week? Maybe. I hope not. But I think that there are people who absolutely have the same thoughts that Heath does. That if you said, hey, do you realize what you just did? You just showed up, and then because of this, that, that, you left. They would go, my gosh, what am I doing? It's just normal. Wraps it up, Monday, two hours, plus 20. We'll be back. Hey, it's Finn, and if you've been listening to 680 for long, you know that I'm a big fan of Audi Atlanta. That's where I got my Audi Q8 e-tron, which I absolutely love. And it's the only dealership I would recommend to my friends and my family. And here's why. For one, Audi Atlanta has a great selection of luxury vehicles. They helped me find the exact SUV I was looking for, and the purchase was super easy. A fully transparent experience catered to me. The same experience they provide all their customers 
And here's one more reason that makes Audi Atlanta so special. During the month of April, Audi Atlanta will make a donation to Enduring Hearts for every vehicle sold. Thanks to the efforts of Enduring Hearts, children with heart transplants are living longer and healthier lives. Get the Audi you've always wanted while supporting a great cause. To learn more about Enduring Hearts and to view our current specials, visit AudiAtlanta.com. To start or complete your entire purchase online or shop Audi Atlanta in person like I did on Peachtree Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Together, we have the power to make positive changes that could last a lifetime. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia.